Hey, this is George Burge, and you're listening to Chasing Birdies. Turn it up. All right, everybody, it's Thursday, and we're back here for another episode of Chasing Birdies. My man. Yes, sir. What's up? How's it going, bud? It's good to see you survived uh, the little 4th of July festivities you put on over there. Yeah, we had a nice little party with the family and friends, and uh, but you know it's good to see you, bud. I haven't seen you in forever. Oh man, Colorado's been good. Bud. I saw you five straight days, and I see you never. Yeah, and getting back to those five straight days, it was a grueling task, wasn't it? I mean, we played Pikewood National and member guests. We had Oakmont before that, but what a run we were on! Thanks to the boys over at Links Brewing for being the sponsor of the show. Check them out at linksbrewing.com. But we just hung out with you know Matt, JB, Jeff, all the boys at Oakmont for a couple days. And uh, then I, I had Links Brewing on tap at the 4th of July party. So it was nice, boys. I mean, yeah, Links Brewing, shout out to them. They're the best. I tell um, you what, Becker, that guy, he could walk in a room and I'm just going to start laughing. <laughs> I, I got a newfound love for Jeff Becker. Oh, my oh, God. He said... Hey, do I ask you a lot of questions? <laughs> Bud, you're you asking ask a question. Bud. <laughs> Bud, you talk about the struggle bus. I'm on it. Still? I am on the struggle bus. No, of course, afterwards, I figured out something, but played okay at Oakmont, and then got to Pikewood. Really excited. You played great for 36 holes, dude. I mean, the second round, you shot 73. Well, you know. So I was all over the map, boys. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you started off good the first round at Oakmont. Obviously, playing Oakmont, guys, the greens were like concrete. They said they were 14 when we played them. Hard time believing that. The fairways were 14, dude. You couldn't hold a fairway. But our uh, our guest, our man George Burge, he had a hell of a time on number one, huh? My man drove number one at Oakmont. I mean, saddle up, partner. Pummeled it. Huh? So we leave Oakmont, we come to Pikewood National, we're playing the member guests, we're all hot, we're all heavy, we're feeling good, and it didn't come to fruition this year, bud, but you know what, I still had a good time with you. Dude, I had a blast with you, thanks again for, for supporting my bad habits. The boys at Pikewood put a great show on at the member guests, I played like dog shit. I mean, bud, I, I have not hit shots like this in 10 years. I, I was, it was bad. It was probably but, one of those things... You're trying to figure out what you're doing while you're doing it. You know what I mean? And, and 100%. So Monday I hit some balls after the member guest, and, and I felt like I was taking it inside a little bit. Well, I was. So now it, what feels like outside's really on plane for me to, on the takeaway. And we're back, boys. I played a couple days after and had five birdies. I haven't made five birdies all year, so felt good. Yeah. You ready to roll right into Ireland. Uh, getting your bag packed here shortly, and uh, next thing you know we'll be headed over. You, you already packed? Yeah, you probably did. Our boys at Holders and Boren loaded us up for some, some new gear to take over to Ireland, which mm-hmm. is like, it, it, they take care of us so well. So today's guest, man, we got George Burge on the podcast today. You know, former golfer on University of Texas. Uh, he calls himself a bench warmer, but I don't even know there's a bench in golf, but whatever. Hits it a country mile. A can mile. sing a country lick. I mean. But his voice. Oh my God, mm. it, it melts anyone. And we, anyone. Got, we got into one Tuesday night at Oakmont. I mean, God, I haven't how seen- How about him roll my ball back on the putting green, tell me I was, fur- I was further than I really was? Like, how about you not touch my ball, bud, all right? 
But I haven't seen one thirty in the morning since I came out of the womb. I mean, we're sitting there like, all right, turn it up. Strumming guitars. Oh, we did. They did. JB and George played a little guitar, but I I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. And we're going to roll it on over to George Burge. Enjoy, y'all. Yeah, it's a good one. As you all know by now, Chase and Birdies is proud to be partners with Holderness and Bourne. Check them out online at hbgolf.com. Holderness and Bourne makes fabulous pieces that help you look good on the course, even if your game is not up to par. Check out their new arrivals now for this golf season. Also, head on over to chasingbirdies.com to get some custom chasing birdie gear from Holderness and Bourne. We'll continue to drop these pieces through every season. That's chasingbirdies.com and Holderness and Bourne at hbgolf.com. All right, y'all, we're back here for another episode of Chasing Birdies. And, uh, buddy, we're here in Pittsburgh, PA, 93.7. The fans so nice to host us here today in their studio. Mm-hmm. And we got country star George Burge in the house. George, my man. Boys, let's have a day. Beautiful summer day here in Pittsburgh. A little golf on the agenda. I think, um, I think I'm falling in love with the city already, man. Beautiful. Right. So we had a good night. We went to batting practice. Thank you to Neil Walker. And then Mr. Trocheck came over, had a couple cold ones. I got sick after. <laughs> uh, and here we are. We got Oakmont today. We got Oakmont tomorrow. And uh, hopefully drink a few pops and, and see where the day takes us. And thank you for coming, man. Yeah, man. That cream ale is dangerous. I saw you putting them back last night. Oh, they were in trouble, huh? Thank God my son Parker was there, boys. Or we would have been probably staying under a bridge. No. I mean... <laughs> When I tell you I got sick, boys, I mean, I, I got sick. I, walking out, I got sick. I had to go back downstairs. It was, it was brutal. That's just night one. That was just night one. No, I know, man. But it was great. So tell us, I mean, we got George Burge here in person, which is always better to have these interviews in person. I agree. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I know that you were a University of Texas alum. Yeah, man. So born and raised in Austin, Texas. Really was excited when you guys reached out to me because it's my two favorite things in the world. I grew up loving golf and country music. And so getting to kind of bring those two worlds together has been a dream of mine forever. I grew up in Texas, you know, going to dusty dive bars. I started my first band when I was probably in seventh grade. Was playing Sixth Street downtown Austin with X's on my hand by high school. And, um, you know, that's kind of just what I did. I was on the golf team. We'd go out, travel to events. I'd always bring my guitar with me and I was writing songs and hotel rooms and then we'd come back on the weekends and play music so just kind of in my dna growing up in texas and then i was able to walk on to the university of texas golf team when i went to college hmm. and uh be a bad influence on all those guys that were headed to the pga <laughs> tour bring them out to country shows and parties and stuff like that uh you know get them to rub a little dirt on it but uh it was one of those things that very quickly became apparent to me that while i was barely good enough to get onto the collegiate golf team the pga tour was just a totally different level and so more than anything i just made friends with those guys soaked up the experience and continued to play music and then you know after college kind of hit it hard on the music side and and now we're doing it for a living touring the country so real quick who is on the university of texas golf team with you that's on the pga tour Jonathan Vegas was the captain of the team when I was there. Nicest guy I've ever met. and um, that so, was So he was pretty good in college, huh, bud? Yeah. Um, he definitely bloomed after he, he left college, but it was 
really apparent that he was a stud when we were there. I remember the first qualifier we played in was at Austin Country Club, and I was coming out of high school, and I thought I was a stud. You know, I, I was hitting the ball just over 300 and, you know, had done really well in, in my late high school events and, and had made it to the University of Texas. So here I am thinking I'm a great golfer, and the first tee shot, I just ripped driver about as hard as I can hit it probably 300 down the middle of the fairway and then JV tees up with the three wood hits it about 10 yards past me and then chips and putts better too and I was like man I'm busy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um Dylan Fratelli was on the team as well yeah he, um, he's super a great guy stick, yeah yeah he can really play but man it was just a great great experience man there's so much history um a there's lot nothing the, better there a lot of the alumni would stop in you know Ben Crenshaw Tom Kite come talk to us, chip in. Justin Leonard. You know, yeah, exactly, man. So it, it was a really special place to go to school. So did you grow up? I know you grew up in West Texas. Well, Austin. But, you know, Texas, when you kind of think of West Texas, you get the, you think of the dirt roads, the ranches. High school football. High school football. Buddy, he was a great player. Um, cowboy boots, cowboys. Yeah. You know, was that kind of your vibe in terms of how you grew up into the country music scene? Because I feel like country music creates this this idea of this way of life. And and for us being from here, we obviously soak it in because this is a huge country music scene here in Pittsburgh uh, and West Virginia. But you're growing up in Western Texas or Austin, so to speak. Um, was that kind of already in your blood? Yeah, man. Austin was a really special place. You know, we always called it the place where the cowboys and the hippies get along, man. So yeah. it, there was like... You know, it wasn't weird to wear cowboy boots to school or wear Wranglers to school or, you know, on the weekends you're going out riding horses or roping or going hunting. Yeah. But also it was like, you know, culture, man. There was a huge movie scene down there. There was a huge music scene down there. The food scene was awesome. You know, you got Matthew McConaughey, you know, hanging out in Austin doing wild stuff. So it was always like a national destination where all these like big stars would come visit, but it was also like gritty. And, you know, you had dusty dive bars like Antone's where, you know, you'd go in there and it was cash only and there's dust on the floor and yes. it's like the roof's about to cave in and you see the best live show of your life. And, and that was what made yeah. Austin so special, man. It's 100 degrees in the summer at night and you're sweating and drinking a cold beer and listening to the gritty blues music and yeah. it's cool man so yes there was definitely like the western aspect of like riding horses hunting fishing being on the lake being out on big ranches and bonfires and you know sneaking out with friends but then also you had a little bit of that big city love with the college and you know all these big names coming to visit austin the football team university of texas football team you know that was a way of life as yeah did, you know going to to the games um so it was a really really special city definitely like had a huge influence on me um as a person just like a, it, it was just a huge melting pot man it was yeah. uh, it was really cool so Badass. you you have college golf which again is the most incredible experience you play any college sport it is awesome you know you got your yeah. your friends on the team and you got some people outside and, and you're partying and boozing and playing golf i mean life's tough um when did you really get into the country music scene to where all right now i'm getting on to something right like I'm good now. Now people are coming to listen to me at the dusty dive bars. Yeah, man. It was um, definitely something that happened on accident. And again, it was like golf just like took care of me. Um, I tried to get a desk job and I did. I tried to be responsible. So I got a desk job out of college, was making pretty good money, had a little apartment downtown Austin where I'm going out every night after work, crushing cold ones, you know, chasing women. Life was great. Um, I'm making a real paycheck for the first time. And so... um, 
I just still was writing songs and playing music, but didn't really have an avenue for it. And then one of my best buddies from high school and I restarted this band that we had kind of messed around with in high school. And we just started practicing, you know, we'd, we'd uh, get off work at 8, 9 p.m. We'd go to a rehearsal space and rehearse from like 10 to midnight or 10 to 1 a.m. And then, um, you know, go back to ne- work the next morning and we'd play shows on like Friday and Saturday nights. And it started, you know, 50, 100 people would show up to shows and then all of a sudden, you know, double that. And then all of a sudden it was, we sold out every show we played in Austin and we were playing four times a month. And that buzz kind of started to get around and it started to be something pretty special. And I think what made us unique is in Austin, Everybody writes their own songs. You know, you go to a lot of other cities and it's like these startup bands. They're all cover bands, right? They're playing other people's music and that's kind of how bands come together. And we just didn't know any better. You know, we thought like, all right, we've got a band. Let's write some songs. And, you know, they started terrible, like the worst songs you've ever heard. And I hope that all of those recordings are burned (laughs) in a trash can somewhere. But it got better and better. And then people started connecting with the songs we were writing. And, And for me as an artist, there's no better feeling in the world than something that you wrote trying to connect to somebody else landing and seeing it hit them, right? Seeing them like put that into context of their own lives. And, and so that started happening. And, you know, people were asking for, do y'all have a CD? When is your next show? When are you going on tour? And we're like, we never toured outside of Austin ever. Like we only played Austin. So we had no intention of like becoming a band. And uh, one night I'm playing a concert at Shady Grove, and uh, which is like this big outdoor kind of music restaurant space in Austin. And uh, one of the guys from the local station asked me to go play golf. And so um, I go play golf with him the next day. And he's like, hey, man, do you have a demo? And sure enough, I've got a little burn CD in my golf bag. So I give him a demo of like two or three songs that we had recorded. And then the next day he calls me back and he's like, man, I've never called anyone back that's given me a demo before. But I think you have something. Do you mind if I send this to some folks I know in Nashville? And I'm like, yeah, man, send it. Let's Let's see what happens, you know? Send it. And then probably two days later, I got a call from Scott Borchetta, who was um, the head of Big Machine Records, which is Taylor Swift, Thomas Rhett, Florida Georgia Line, superstars. I mean, about as big as you could possibly get. And he's like, hey, man, we want to sign you guys to a record deal. And mind you, like, I've never toured before. So this yeah, all, never, this all like, happened like within a week from you giving that guy that, yeah. that CD to in a week they're calling you saying, hey, Get your ass up here. Wolf Dancer was the name of the golf course in Bastrop, Texas. We were on the back nine, and I gave him a burn CD <laughs> that changed my life, man. Isn't that insane? Yep. Now I live in Nashville, Tennessee, play music for a living, and life is good. So uh, so they signed you? So they, they we signed a big machine. Uh, my band was Waterloo Revival at the time. Moved straight to Nashville and just went on an absolute whirlwind. I mean, from pack to U-Haul, moved to Nashville, was in Nashville for three days, and they sent us on what's called Radio Tour which is where you go visit every radio station in America. It's like 155 reporting stations. So we went to 48 states in six months. Um, Damn. Like from having never toured in my entire life. It was... Did you drive? Flew almost all of it. Oh, they flew? Okay. You were pretty stressed out. Travel covered? Oh, yeah. That was... Damn right. That was the other thing, man. It was like we'd always done all our own stuff, right? Like I was so used to like doing my own social media, like writing all the checks, like making sure the band was taken care of, planning all the hotels and everything. And all of a sudden, it's like I go into this conference room and it's like 50 people and they're all there for us. And I'm like, what is going on, man? Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, all of a sudden you've got this massive support system and everybody's there to push you. And that was so cool for me to kind of take in. And and, uh, I will say that when we got to Nashville, um, when we flew up to do the interview with Big Machine, 
Scott Borchetta, notorious hard ass in the music industry. We get there and it's like this castle of a building on Music Row, the record label. There's a big black Ferrari parked out front and just like huge iron gates, like is about as intimidating as a spot as you can get. And so we walk in, the receptionist is like, hey, hang tight for five minutes and then we'll bring you up. And so we hang tight, they bring us up and I've only played huge you know, rowdy honky tonk shows before, you know, full band, just, you know, drunk, sloppy and loud. Right. And we get up there and they're like, all right, you guys, two acoustic guitars upstairs. And so we go up there with our two like acoustic guitars on our back, walk up the stairs and, um, it's the entire staff. So like 50 people around this huge marble table and Scott Borchetta sitting there with his arms crossed and he goes, boys, welcome to Nashville. And I was like, all right, nice to meet you. He goes, go ahead. I go, Go ahead, what? (laughs) And he looks to the end of this, like, giant conference table, and there's two bar stools and uh, two bottles of water. And he's like, play us a couple songs. (laughs) When I tell you my hand was shaking on the neck of the guitar, because that's kind of their, if they're going to send you out to the world to to do this thing, they want to make sure that you can hang under pressure. And so we did, and I mean, I choked out about three or four songs, and after the fourth song, he said congratulations and gave you us a good to go. deal. And that so was how I got my you, first deal. You remember what songs you played? Um, Hit the Road was the one that they signed us on, and that was our first single. The other two or three were just, <laughs> they never saw the light of day. We got better <laughs> from there, we'll put it that way. So, so after you, you sign your record deal, you're calling home, you're all excited. You're in Nashville. Where do you go from there? Yeah, it's one of those things. It's just like you try to, you know, they call Nashville a 10-year town, right? Like that's kind of what the the general timeline is from like when you move there to when you make it. And we had gone from zero to 100 in a week. And so I was like, I went and bought a book from Barnes and Nobles called Everything You Need to Know About the Music Industry. And I'm like reading like what percentages I'm supposed to be giving people and what stuff's supposed to cost and how to hire a band. And I'm just absolutely, completely out of my element. Well, it's a business. Yeah, it's an absolute business. And there's so many parts, a publishing deal, a manager, an agent, uh, you know, a record label, and then a business manager and all these guys are getting different percentages and you know everybody is doing a different job that you don't really know what it means and then there's um you know mechanical royalties and publishing and masters and all of these like super high-end things that i'm like man i'm just used to writing songs in in my my bedroom so it was it was a lot and I, I definitely got run over probably my first five years in town. And I've been there eight years now, and I will say that in the last two years is the first time I feel comfortable with my own skin out there. Like, I know what I'm talking about, and, like, I feel like I belong there and, and am and part of the, the major label fold, you know? Well, if, you, if you're ever feeling uncomfortable, all you got to do is talk because your voice is like sex. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like smooth. It's like whiskey on ice. It's like... Thank you. And, and, oh, and, and we have the same thing in common, so, I mean... Yeah. You know, that's what happens to me when I when I start talking. People are like, "Just stop!" So it's like, "Wow, I'm kidding." We we talked last night briefly about your short stint in the music industry, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Do you care to tell him the story? We've told the story before on on the podcast, but you need to tell it's a graduation story. Well, okay, and and yeah, I was into music, man. I loved playing music. Had a little band in high school and graduation party. You know, 2005. I set up a stage at my parents' house and. I go and buy a black tarp, kind of like that, but it was like plastic, and I poked holes in it. And then behind the holes, I put a spotlight up so it looked like stars were shining through because I was going to have all these people watching me, like 10 people watching me at my graduation party. 
and start playing a song. And one of our cover songs was uh, Santa Ria by Sublime. Yeah, classic. And then obviously we played some other punk rock songs. And probably about the second song into the set, my dad comes out of the house and he's like, hey, cut it, cut it. It's too loud. And meanwhile, we lived on 24 acres. Our neighbor was probably, you know, a couple hundred yards away. But it was like, what do you mean cut it, dad? And he's like, too loud, cut it. So my graduation party concert got cut, like, after a song and a half <laughs> one, by my dad. One song. Pulled yeah, one it, man. Song. My dad would have done the same exact thing. Pulled yeah. it. So, needless to say, he hasn't looked back, but he's but never played music since. I, I love music, man. And, and, and obviously, I've, I've not done anything with music, but it's still, it's I a hobby. Hustle, it's a hobby. You're on staging. Yeah. I can, I can I, visualize that when you said it. The starry. Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. Drop, you know? Uh, like tarp with holes in it. I can't, I can't carry a tune to save my life, but. You know, I still enjoy playing my acoustic and and writing some lyrics. So, you know, I'll probably send you a couple one day. But come on, man. Yeah. No. He's got a burn CD <laughs> for you. <We're, laughs> yeah, I got to let you listen. So you you uh, no. you feel like you now you're comfortable in your own skin. You've gone out on your own. Yeah. Um, over the last couple of years, what was that transition like? You know, you it's almost equivalent to a basketball team, right? Yeah. You you have people. If you have a bad day, you can pass the ball off. Country music, you're having a little bad day, you can pass somebody the guitar and, and they can pick up for you or they can whatever. Now it's all you. It's almost golf. Yeah, it's um, True. it's definitely Way to go, bud. Um, a high and low there, right? Because you get the high of like having complete creative control, doing exactly what you want. But then the low is like, you know, it's it's all on you, rain or shine. You know, the good yep. days are great and the bad days hurt, you know. But it's one of those things like in 2020, uh, when everything was shut down, I was sitting on the couch one day and just kind of reflecting about where I was at. And, you know, my whole life I had dreamed about getting a record deal. And then I'm sitting there and I just wasn't super happy um, creatively, directionally, just where where my career was heading. And it kind of felt like a make or break moment for me. And um, I just started to feel super overwhelmed and, and just not really sure what was next. And after, you know, a lot of nights you know, talking to my wife, praying about it, trying to figure out what I was going to do. I decided to ask out of my record deal and, and out of Waterloo Revival. And and that was scary just because, you know, I didn't really have a backup plan. And what I ended up doing was thinking, you know, I'll just be a songwriter. And so I started writing songs for other artists and started to get some traction doing that. And I was like, man, maybe this is the ticket. And um, one of the artists that I was writing for was Clay Walker. And uh, Clay had invited me down to his house in Galveston, Texas, and we were writing for his record. And we had finished writing for the day, and I kind of told him that exact situation. I was like, man, um, you know, I'd asked out of my deal. I'm not really sure if I'm going to play live music anymore. I might just be a songwriter. And he's like, son, I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. And, you know, it's Clay Walker, 17 number ones, a career any of us would dream about. I'm like, man, this guy's about to change my life with this advice that he's going to give me. So I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat waiting for this advice, and he goes, you need to put your songs on TikTok. <laughs> I'm like, shit, man. That was not the advice I was hoping to get. Um, but you know what? Like, I go back to my room to get cleaned up before we go to dinner. And I'm like, man, how bad could it hurt? And so... Downloading TikTok. Yeah, I download the app on my phone. I have like six followers. Like my mom, my sister, like the lady down the street. And I'm like, all right, we got, we're off to a hot start. I used my name. I didn't use Waterloo Revival or anything. It was just George Burge. And... Uh, the first thing I do is I click the country music hashtag. The first video I see across the top of it, it says men in country music. And under it is this girl, and she's like, country music ain't nothing but beer, beer, truck, truck, and girls in tight jeans. And I'm like, well, 
I'm the first person to be guilty of loving all three of those things, probably more than I should, but I also feel like country music has more to show for itself than that. And so I was like, man, wouldn't it be funny if I took her words and as a country songwriter showed her even something as mundane as that, I could turn into a hit song. And so I sat down on the edge of the bed for like 30 minutes and like hammered away this verse and chorus and uh, got it to where I like felt good about it, where I thought it was funny and a good rebuttal. And so... I march down the hallway to Clay's social media manager's room and I like knock on the door. I'm like, hey man, can you show me how to post on TikTok? <laughs> and uh, we throw it up and I don't think anything else of it. And we go to dinner and we're at dinner for like three hours just having a big boys night. We're out there in Galveston on the beach, you know, drinking tequila, eating shrimp, just having an awesome night. And I've literally not thought about it at all. And we get back home and Clay's like, man, pop it open. How'd it do? And I'm like, pop what open? He goes, TikTok. I'm like, all right. And so I open the app. And I like am rubbing my eyes because my six followers in three hours turned into twenty thousand followers. And I was like, "Dude, you're a genius. This is the best advice." <laughs> so we're like cheersing and having fun, and you know, uh, just kind of goofing off. And I kind of thought that was going to be the extent of it. Um, well, fast forward like a week, twenty thousand turned into a hundred thousand, and all of a sudden there's like thousands of comments saying, "I I have to finish this song." And now I'm like, damn, I might have gotten myself into a little bit of a predicament because I'm going to be forced to release a song called Beer, Beer, Truck, Truck with my name on it. And so I'm like, golly, I sit on the edge of the bed and I'm like, all right, let's let's try to make this something cool. And so I spend a couple hours on it and finish it and get it to a point where I'm like proud enough of it to release it. And I call my buddy Jaron Boyer, who's a big songwriter in town. And I'm like, hey, man, can I just come over to the studio and lay this down real quick? And so we go to the studio in about two hours, we record it. And again, I post the full song on TikTok. I'm like, here you go, everybody. I finished it. And in three hours, I mean, sorry, in 24 hours, it did 3 million views. And then all of a sudden, every record label in Nashville is calling me. And uh, I ended up signing with Sony, um, which was like Damn. a dream label for me. Like, So real quick, whenever all these record labels reach out, do you have an agent? Or is that your, you know, like we were with Vince last night, you know, he's, he's going through a contract, free agency, and he has an agent that's doing all that work for him. Or is it you kind of feeling out the record labels, seeing where you fit best? So the first two weeks, I'm like fielding all these calls myself and I'm still pretty green. And I'm like, man, I hope I don't say the wrong thing. Or like, you know, I, I, I was doing my best to like field all these calls from all the most important, powerful people in Nashville and try to not sound like a complete rookie, which I was at the time. And uh, over that course in time, one of my best friends that I'd looked up to for a long time, um, who's also a great manager in town, manages guys like Jimmy Allen, Matt Stell, some big country artists, had reached out to me. And we had been trying to work together for a long time. And he was like, dude, let's do this thing. So I signed a management deal with him in the course of interviewing all these labels and uh he oh. kind of helped me navigate that which was like perfect timing beer beer truck truck one thing i noticed about that is it has quotation marks around the song title yeah and is that why you did that that's why it has quotes around it it was a, a quote of her yeah fun of country okay music. so that a good catch yeah man, man. yeah, yeah. So, See, I, I, so did you I reach out to this shit. person like hey thank you or is, did she reach out to you saying so the day i posted that first video when i just wrote the verse in a chorus i sent her a dm i was like hey funny video i wrote a little song to it hope you dig it and i was like if you want to be a songwriter on it let me know i'd love to give you credit and she responded after it went viral and was like, hey, I would love to be a songwriter on it. And I actually grew up listening to country music. I got away from it, but this gave me a lot of nostalgia, and I love it. 
And so I actually gave her 25% of the writing credit on the song. And come to find out, she's an elementary school music teacher just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. What? Uh, That's yeah, insane. Yeah, so it was really, really cool. Yeah. That is awesome. She texted me that she started getting royalty checks. and yeah, Get the hell really out. Really cool. Yeah. Mailbox money. Yeah, that's it's but the best kind of money. It's the best <laughs> kind of money, brother. Yeah, is it? Hey, yeah, I don't know anything about well, that. So. Maybe you should look into it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. Run along. <laughs> no, so, okay, funny. so now you're out on your own, man. What's it like? How's it, how's it been? It's been incredible. It's been almost two years now, a year and a half or so. And um, it's just taken off like an absolute rocket ship. Um, I've signed with William Morris, the biggest agency in town. I've signed with Sony, the biggest label in town. Um, I've got an incredible team around me. I just finished my debut record in the studio. We have a song going to radio across America. First week of August. Um, I've been out on tour with Brantley Gilbert, Jake Owen, Dustin Lynch. I mean, life has just been absolutely insane. And that's just in the first, you know, 14 months or so. So it's been really validating to have taken that risk because, you know, jumping ship in 2020, like, was terrifying. You know, I'd worked my whole life to get there and I'm at a place where I'm finally like paying my bills and things are going good enough. And to jump ship to chase something more was pretty terrifying. But I knew in my heart, like I wanted to make the music that I wanted to make. I, I wanted to make the music that that kid in Austin, Texas grew up dreaming about and the music that was on my heart. And so that was really the only way to do it. And um, to have people connect with what I have to say and show up to shows and, you know, reach out on social media. It is, it is truly, truly special. So damn, you are now 34 years old. Okay. And you have two little ones yep. of your own, a five-year-old, a two-year-old. We're in the same boat here. Yeah. You met Parker last night. Guy's wild. Uh, wild. What do you tell George Burge as a five-year-old? Stay the hell away from music, man. <laughs> no, it's uh, about chasing your dreams and, yeah. and, and, and doing things that make you feel uncomfortable a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the, there's no growth in comfort, right? Like if you're sitting there and you're feeling complacent or you're feeling like you're on the gravy train or you're feeling like you've mastered your craft, like it, you're probably not going to grow from there. And the situations that have made me the most nervous or the most uncomfortable in life are typically the ones that have paid like the greatest rewards. And so that's kind of, you know, what I try to, uh, my biggest, the best advice I got about raising kids was, um, was from an older gentleman in Austin and he just said, take them everywhere. He's like, bring them everywhere with you and immerse them in every experience that you can. And so that's kind of what I try to do with my son. I bring him out to the golf course. I bring him out to so shows. Awesome. And, you know, I'll make him look people in the eye and shake their hand and ask them their name and, and, and have a conversation. And, and, you know, the world is just so relationship-based. It's like the people that you know. And, you know, if you treat other people kindly and if you have a genuine interest in what they do, somewhere down the line, maybe you guys work together. Somewhere down the line, maybe they reach out and give you a hand up. And that's, uh, that's the biggest thing that I've learned in life. And especially through golf, there's so many incredibly talented people in the game that are masters of their own craft. And if you mm -hmm. take the time to dig in and figure out who they are and what they do and take a genuine interest in that, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to help you out with something. Down the road. No doubt. I mean, you two oh. might have a band here in the near future. You never know, bud. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> He's going to be my staging manager. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I uh, can't stop thinking about this tarp with the holes in it. He's going to be the guy at every, right? every show poking holes through the new tarp. Uh, no, well, I'll hand you your guitars, man. I'll, I'll be the guitar tech. I mean, what can I say? But actually, being on the road, it, it's something that I would love. I know it gets old, 
maybe not right now, but at some point, maybe maybe it never does. I don't know. I've never been there, so what am I talking about? But that is chasing birdies in life, dude. And you are a good man. That is awesome. That is Thank that you, is. Man. Thank and he's got the uh, Malvin. Yeah. Uh, apparel going on right now man and steven malvon was a former guest on chasing birdies and so when you talk about golf being a connector it really is a small world man i mean and you now i mean maybe you're doing some deals with malvon i don't know but it yeah, looks good on you thank you man yeah it was one he's a, a country music fan and and huge in the golf space and you know we had crossed paths and all of a sudden he's reaching out to me on social media um he was like hey i've been following along the music and the journey and um i've got a new line coming out and i wanted to see if you'd be interested in, in doing some work together and so he sent me some mock-ups of the clothes it's a um, malbon golf and bass club and uh i was like man Golf and fishing, I'm in. Like, that's that's who I am growing Amen. up in Texas. And so I flew up there to Carmel to go hang out with him, um, and he showed me the new line. I was able to take some pictures in it with him. We played um, the Preserve, which is, like, up there in the mountains. You're literally in Carmel by the sea, and you drive 30 minutes straight up into the mountains to the most, like, secluded, elusive so place sick. you've ever seen, and you feel like you're in the middle of Montana. It is unbelievable. Badass. And uh, with, he put me up in this glamping cabin, which is like on the lake. There were canoes, and we went bass fishing and everything. And it was—I uh, mean, the cabin was probably fifteen hundred square feet, and it's a tent. And uh, it was like you literally—I literally felt like I was in, in the TV show Yellowstone. There's hor- like you could go like check out horses and just ride them know. around the property. There was a uh, like a home farmed vegetable garden that the members of the club could all come like just pick whatever vegetables they needed for dinner every night take home they take those home yeah to go cook with like it was the it was not real life and then we played spanish bay as well which was that was my first time to get to play any of those like pebble beach courses so it was uh it was really cool man so so, you know you had mentioned relationships in golf and, and one of the relationships that we have mutually is colt ford which i mean the guy is hysterical he's dynamite i know he means a lot to you but again you know we we interview colt and i reach out to you via dm because colt mentioned you and you did your due diligence i'm sure on these two yo-yos from chasing birdies and and here we are but you guys are coming to nemecolon august 15th and um you're playing it's you matt stell josh miranda colt ford and you guys are gonna play a little show up there yeah, it's, you know, life's a lot more fun when you get to do stuff with your friends, and um, Colt does mean a lot to me. He was, um, you know, Colt Ford, I, I, I call him the godfather. He knows everybody in country music, right? He's done collaborations with everybody from Jason Aldean to Keith Urban to Jake Owen to Darius Rucker. He is the guy, right? Colt knows everybody. And um, he was really the first person in Nashville to give me a hand up and say, hey, you're good enough, and I'm going to open some doors for you, which any of us in any industry, we don't get anywhere without somebody else saying, hey, this guy belongs here. Yeah. Um, and he was that guy for me. And, and really, it happened. Colt had stumbled across one of my videos and sent me a DM on social media and was like, hey, man, you want to do a song with me? And uh, so I ended up featuring a vocal on the chorus of one of his songs called Dynamite. And uh, we shot the music video together, and that was the first time we met was in the music video. And uh, then we just, like, man, we just hit it off, realized that we both loved golf, realized that we were both good old boys from the South, you know. And then all of a sudden, Colt's introducing me to Clay Walker and Toby Keith and all of these, you know, massive artists. And, and all of a sudden, I'm getting calls to write with people and, and getting calls to go on tour with people. And um, all these people are saying, hey, Colt really talked you up. And, you know, that changed my life. And now... On the other side of things, now that things have really taken off for me, 
I called Colt to come write with me for my new record. And so uh, we wrote the song Mind on You, which is going to hopefully be my first number one oh. single together. So it, it was, he invested in me, and I hope in the long term it's going to pay off. That's um, so cool. You, you treat people right in life. It comes full circle. You do the right thing. You treat people right. And, and you know, again, somebody like Colt that has all the connections that he has in country music in any realm, Colt knows everybody and everything. He doesn't have to stick his neck out for you because he's Colt hey, Ford. Hey, yeah, yeah, he doesn't need he's to. But he really he saw something in you, and he took a chance to tell on his buddies, and here he is. He's looking like a genius now. I hope so. And don't tell I, him I that, though. So. <laughs> but, but he did mention something about a brisket. That you always send him photos of your brisket and you don't share it with him. Oh, man. So growing up in Texas, that was like my thing, man. I loved to put a, a smoker rolling on the weekends, uh, um, throw a brisket on, drink some beer. I mean, it's a great yeah. excuse to sit in the backyard and just crush a 12-pack, you know? And so um, over the years, I got pretty good at it, and I invited Colt over one day for some Texas brisket. And uh, he took one bite of it. He goes, son, that could make a puppy pull a freight train. <laughs> <laughs> He goes, all I need is some white bread and some Duke's mayonnaise. <laughs> I'm looking at him. I'm like, are you a cartoon character? Yeah. He's one liners. the funniest yeah, guy he's, I've ever met. But since then, every time I post a picture of my brisket, he gets upset if he doesn't get the invite. So I always have to make sure I invite Colt Ford to the barbecue. And I got to make sure there's enough brisket there for him, too, because he can put it back. Put it down, man. He was loving that shrimp up at Nemecolon. Hey, by the way, you guys you guys got me in a t- tizzy right now. Real talk. My bud. We talk about these DMs. I mean, it's like, oh, you DM him, they reply. He sends you a DM, you talk, you meet, you do this. I mean, I send, like, people DMs. I get no reply. Because you're a creep. They look at you, and you look like a creep. <laughs> nah, like, like George, I come to find out last night that George is, is buddies with Cam Smith. And Which, I think Cam, go, I think Cam is, and I know no one will believe this, and I don't care. <laughs> but when Cam Smith was up and coming, like, before he was the Cam Smith today, when he was playing... Uh, you know, in the Europe and and just coming through the ranks, I always thought that kid had talent for some reason. So I sent Cam a uh, a DM of him at Muirfield Village a couple of weeks ago, hitting a flop shot, and uh, I sent him the video. And I'm like, "Hey, man, like six shot. What wedge were you using? Because I'm a wedge guy. Nothing. So you know, being the guy I am, I was curious. So I t- I send a text to Pepe and uh, Aaron Deal from Vokey. I'm like, "Yo, AD, what?" was this wedge. Oh, that's his 60T grind. I didn't even know there was a T grind. Well, bud. Uh, it's it's news to that. me. But the point being is, you guys keep up with your DMs because they ain't working out for me, bud. <laughs> I mean, zero. So you shot, you shot hey. the stars. You went, you went high. So I he tried. hasn't responded. No, that's all, right. all good. I'll shoot him a text. We'll, we'll get, we'll we'll get, get him yeah. figured out tonight. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. Yeah. When we're at Oakmont in, in, uh. in the gatehouse hanging out and he wishes he was there. He's uh-huh. a good dude. Cam's a good dude. We uh we've played some golf together. Um, he's a huge country music fan, so I'll send him some of my unreleased songs and bounce stuff off him. And then he loves fishing as well. So his his whole deal is he's he's trying to make as much money on the tour as he can to buy as many boats to go deep sea fishing as he can. That's what he loves to good do. Good for him. So, yeah. so I know you have some friends on on the PGA tour. You know, Cam Smith, uh, Leishman. What's your thoughts, and you don't, you don't need to discuss their thoughts or anything, but what's your thoughts on this whole live tour? Man, it's so hard for me to really say one way or another. I think that there's two ways of measuring success. If you are looking at stuff like strictly from 
a job perspective, you know, there is career achievements in the form of like tournaments and trophies and history. And then there is monetary value in the form of, you know, providing for your family and getting a check. And um, I think that those are both pretty real things that people aspire to, you know, like a lot of us grow up wanting to be successful and some of us measure success in, you know, trophies and some of us measure success in money. And, and, and I don't think either of those is necessarily wrong. It's just tough for me to see um, the separation of the world's greatest players, right? Like you, as a golf fan, I think what we want is to see the best players playing against each other every week. So I, I wish there was a little bit more unity there, and I, I wish there was a little bit more focus on the game. But, you know, it is what it is. I think that there will be some growth in the game out of this, um, probably on both sides, and we'll see where it lands. But, uh, you know, and, and the other thing is, like, you, we probably get a fraction of the information that's actually being discussed down there. So it's, it's hard right. to like really make an assessment on who's right or wrong on this stuff, just because at the end of the day, we're getting the scraps of the details that are, are floated out through the rumor mill, right? We're not at the table, so we don't right. actually yeah. know, but how many guys have you seen that were, you know, all Americans or superstars out of college that you thought this guy's set for the rest of his life and golf is such a fickle game. You either get injured or you get the hooks or you get the yips or something happens and your career goes away. So it's hard to fault somebody for taking a guarantee that sets them up for the rest of their life. But at the same time, you know, golf is such a like honorable traditional game where, you know, the magic of golf is the camaraderie and the history Mm -hmm. and the trophies. And, and so it's, 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 it's hard to see that kind of fade to the background too, because I think that's what makes our game unique and special. I agree. With, I agree with you. Uh, I'm in a, at a uh, loss of words a little bit because it is a lot of money, man. I mean, the guy finished last. The guy who finished last in the first live event made 120,000 bucks. But maybe you should think about a career change. I mean, I can. I could just go finish last at every event, and make 100. Yeah, maybe you should just move the fam from Elizabeth to, you know, wherever. Wherever. But, it's true, though. I mean, you think about somebody like Dustin Johnson, $125 million. Did, you're not talking $125,000. Right. $125 million. Here yeah. you go. Take it or leave it. I'm interested to see. I think after the British Open, there's going to be a lot of people that go to this live. I do. Well, I think my thing is like, okay, how many players are in the NFL? Or how many players are in Major League Baseball? You know, and if you have a bad game you still get paid or even if you're making league minimum you're making a very healthy salary right and that i don't know how many people but i mean i got to imagine it's yeah a lot a lot right a lot and in the golf world you know it's just very top 50 lives the elite life and then the rest of the guys are kind of trying to figure it out right so it's like you could be the 200th Mm -hmm. best golfer in the world in the world in the world and not be set. Not have a pot to piss in. Yeah. So I think that is... <sighs> That's what people don't realize, yeah. George, is that but, those people, they, they have to pay for their own travel. They have to pay for their hotels. They have to pay... A caddy. A caddy before... You miss a cut, bud. You're negative. Not I mean, a little bud, bit you'd negative. you negative yeah. for a week on end. Yeah, bud, but you talk about mailbox money. I mean, just go to the next <laughs> stop. But, but here's the thing. When you reduce it down to... The common thing, it's golf. It's still golf, right? I mean, so these guys that are leaving the PGA Tour, they're going to Live Tour, they're still playing golf. I think the Live Tour is going to have to be able to create that entertainment value for people to want to watch it. 
Because like for you me, watch it, bud. I, I know, and I know, and that's that's that that's the downfall to it. But if they get that thing going to where, yeah, now they're talking about getting world golf rankings for these players, which that would be a huge step. If they get a television deal, I I, I would never watch a golf tournament on my computer. I just would not. If they can create that entertainment value to where people will want to watch it, I don't think the fans are really going to care because, quite frankly, look at Kepka. Supposedly, he's going. How many more guys are going to go? There's going to be a lot. I think there's going to be a lot. Um, and it's not going to be the PGA Tour, and I'm still going to be a fan of the PGA Tour. But I guess what I'm trying to say is if they can, if they can make it what they want to make it, that entertainment factor, and create the fan base for it, I think you're going to have people buy it. I think you're going to have people drinking that Kool-Aid. You know what I think that the, the Liv screwed up on? I mean, a lot. But it would have been cool if they let these guys take golf carts, wear shorts during the event, play music in their golf cart. Just go cart. completely against the grain. Rip a six-pack, throw a lip in. Yeah. Like, make, if you really— Kisner would like, win every event he played. <laughs> make, make, yeah, make, it, make it fun yeah. to where, Kisner. like, they want to they wanna watch. Like, I want to watch now. I want to see DJ potentially do something illegal. But to George's point on Kisner, for example, and I only bring this up because of having Colt Nose on a podcast, he said that. Kisner, he's never going to win a U.S. Open. He's not long enough. He might have a chance to win a British because it's firm and dry. Maybe Augusta. That's it. So for a guy like that, and he's a hell of a player, he may say, hey, if you're going to pay me 50, 100 million bucks why to play, why, why wouldn't I? I'm not going to yeah. do it. And that but, money's never going to run out. Yeah. It's never going to run All right, enough of the live. Yeah, I mean, crap. What has golf done for you? What, do you, what enjoyment do you get out of golf? It's my escape, man. Um, it's where I go hang out with my friends. It's where I'm in nature. It's where I clear my mind. It's a game that I can never master and i think that's what is so addicting to it you know and and i see these guys in every industry right like you think about like if you're a rock star and you get to the top where you sell out amphitheaters every single night and you have the world on a string and you can have whatever you want when it comes to money women travel anything like how do you sustain that high once you get there right because that mm -hmm. that's it like it's only down yeah from there. Mm -hmm. like what keeps you motivated to keep trying to get better or what keeps you thinking, you know, how can I work on this? And that's what golf is, man. It's like, no matter what, like you can never perfect it. And there's always more that you can attain and always more that you can get better at. And I think that that's what makes it so special. And, you know, I think a lot of people fall off from, from the top because they can't match that high. Right. And a uh -huh. lot of people, you know, you see sad stories of either, Drugs, alcohol, abuse, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, I think that it's just one of those things that golf is like the savior for a lot of people, like mentally and just an escape and a release. And, and that's, um, you know, not to say that I'm at the top, but it's, it's something that always keeps me going and dreaming and striving to get better. So I, I think it's 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 pretty special game. Yeah. There's nothing better than, than a cigar, golf, some music. Nothing. Parker playing in the bunker. There's nothing better. Running around. My five-year-old, I take him out to play nine holes. It's the best. Me. It's just me and him, two hours. It's awesome. You know, it's he'll get to talking, you know, more than he ever does at home or anything like that. And it's it's just the boys, you know. It's well, like well, that golf. bond is so special. And it creates character, man. Yeah. It does. You're accountable for your shot. You got to be honest. Why? I don't understand when people cheat to try to shoot a better score. You're not doing yourself any good. No. That's not reality. 
You know, so you got to be accountable. You got to be honest. You have integrity. You create relationships. You know how to maintain those relationships. And obviously, as you said earlier, it opens doors. And so it's a wonderful game. You play Troubadour? I have. I've played Troubadour, beautiful golf course. Well, it's one of those things, man, you go out there, they've got the track man um, yeah. on the hillside behind you on the range. So you're hitting range balls and getting instant feedback on every shot you yeah. hit, which is awesome. They've got huge oak fire pits burning everywhere. The comfort stations, every four holes, you go into a comfort station and it's like a Gruyere grilled cheese with a venison chili yeah. and a yeah. top shelf liquor. L- like L- it's, uh, L- it's not bad. Luther's is a pretty good spot. Two of us here have, have been there, but... Uh, Two out of three of us. Yeah. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. <laughs> I've, been, I've been asking everyone and anyone to get on, and nobody can... All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Colt Ford doesn't know a member there. All right, bud. Uh, yeah. No, it is cool. It's yeah, badass. You call me when you come to Nashville. It's well, we'll do it up. Yeah. Well, you guys want to t- turn this bad boy over to our uh, tap-in segment, George, where... Well, before we get into that... All right. We, give the people a little bit... It, because there's some people that may never have heard of uh, beer, beer, truck, truck, or whatever. You want to give them a, a line or two? Like uh, singing? Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I got a... Uh, Do you need a guitar? Yeah. Well, I didn't bring my guitar, but uh, yeah, I got a new single coming out to radio called Mind On You, and this song is special to me. Colt Ford and I wrote it. Colt's one of my best friends. Really looked after me in the industry growing up, and when I wrote it in 2020, I actually didn't have a record deal or a way to release it, and so we pitched it to Jason Aldean. And about a week later, no, probably about 24 hours later, we got an email back with the entire team CC'd on the email, and they said, don't play this song for anybody else. Jason Aldean's going to record it on his new record. And at the time, for me, that was like the biggest thing that had ever happened oh, to damn. me. You know, he's the biggest, he was just come off Entertainer of the Year. He's the biggest artist in the genre. Um, this is life-changing for me, right? Well, fast forward six months, Beer Beer Truck Truck goes nuts and uh i get a record deal with sony and um i'm on the phone with barry weiss who's the head of the label and barry weiss if y'all don't know who he is i mean he's had camos and cameos and entourage all these like he's a very very famous music industry executive signed adele will smith backstreet boys in sync like uh barry is is to get on his team was pretty cool for me and he's on the phone he's like hey george um listen to all this stuff great stuff you're gonna be a huge star but this uh this song mind on you He's like, this is a big hit. He's like, you, and he basically tells me that uh, I need to call Jason Aldean and uh, ask for my uh, my song back. And so, uh, <laughs> so I mean, that can go two ways, right? Like, pound salt, bud. Oh, it's mine yeah, now. and I mean, and there's been multiple cases of that being the answer in country music. There was a pretty famous blow up between Keith Urban and Sam Hunt when Sam Hunt asked for cop car back from Keith Urban, and Keith Urban said no. Same thing. Um, well, anyways, I won't get into that, but Whoa. Jason Aldean was super kind and gave me my song back. Oh. They were excited for me, and, um, you know, that says... <laughs> gave me my song back. That's, uh, it says a lot about um, who he is. So, I don't have my guitar with me, so I'm not just going to acapella it on here, but y'all do me a favor. My name is George Burge, B-I-R-G-E. Y'all go look up Mind On You, and if you hear it on the Chasing Birdies podcast, leave a little comment. That's where you heard it, and tell me what you think. Well, that... That song's great. I told you yesterday I sent that song to Ashley. I was like, you got to check his song out. This song is great. Um, well, we're hoping there's going to be some country babies made I mean, that song. that song. That's some is sexy country, man. But let me ask you something. You had that song with Nelly. Did I see that correctly, that Michael Hardy was a writer on that, or was that a different song? Ernest was a, was a writer on it. Ernest, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
So that's, I was looking at the credits there, and I saw I saw maybe it was a different one, but but that song with Nelly is is awesome. Oh, maybe man. we'll dude, Nelly. I'm, I'm gonna blow and George Burge. Like Oakmont Country Club voice and that thing. Oh, yeah. Gosh. When we were so uh, last little thing. First off, doing that song with Nelly was just mind blowing. Oh I mean, Barry set that up and like completely, you know, something that was bigger than I could ever imagine to get a duet with Nelly. Mind blowing and and really cool. And um, you know, we were talking earlier about some of my uh, well, talking about us blowing out speakers at country clubs that are probably too fancy for us to be at. I, we were at a. I had flown into Augusta. I'd played a, a private show for Mark Leishman uh, Sunday night before Masters Week, and we're at his house. And he's like, dude, just hop on my jet with me and fly to Augusta for the Monday, Tuesday practice round. I'm booked, bud. And like, after I caught my breath of, after about 90 seconds of like trying to put words <laughs> together, I was like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> and so I'd never been to Augusta. And so we fly in Monday for the practice round. Uh, it's my first time flying private. You're spoiled rotten. Oh, it's my first time flying private. I'm sitting here, it's like Dom Perignon and like yeah. uh, sandwiches <laughs> and like, I'm like, it just doesn't feel like real life. Right. And Leash is like, I love him so much just because he's a blue collar guy. He's like great work ethic, like loves to crush a beer, super laid back, nicest guy you ever meet in your life. So he's just, you know, he's rolling the red carpet out for me, just making me feel super welcome. And so we get there and this like brand new Mercedes Benz that has seven miles on us picks us up like straight out of the airport door. And, uh, they leave the car for Mark because he likes to drive himself. So me and Mark are in the Mercedes. We drop the stuff off at the rental house and, uh, He's like, all right, you want to go to the practice round? I was like, yeah, let's go. So he drives up Magnolia Lane, which you only get to do as a player, right? And uh, he's like, he's like, dude, roll the windows down, crank up Mind on You, and I'm like, oh. I'm gonna get us kicked out of Augusta. So I did. I turned on Mind on You just loud enough to not get us kicked out of Augusta on the way up there Magnolia Drive with the windows down, and we pull into the players' lot, and. Um, Mark cracks the back of the Mercedes SUV. He's putting his spikes on in the parking lot. And this is Monday before Tiger has officially announced that he's playing the Masters. And Tiger Woods pulls up two spots to the side of us, sits, same thing, puts his spikes on in the back of the car. And I'm like, man, I'm watching national news being made right here. You know, Tiger Woods is 10 feet away from me, about to play the practice round. I know he's about to play the Masters. And sure enough, he announced that night he was going to play. Did you say anything to him? And, uh, man, I wanted to <laughs> so bad. I wanted to. Hey. Hey, bud. Country music fan. Good, good to see you. Yeah. Yeah, you playing? Hey, can I play you? I got this Burn CD. You want to hear that? You, got, you want to listen to this Burn CD, bud? It's made me a lot no, he's gonna No, he's going to buy it yeah. when your album drops. That's right. Man. That's a fact. That's right. All right, so now we'll transfer this bad boy over to the tapping segment of our show, which is brought to everyone here by Bettinardi Golf, home of Matthew Fitzpatrick. Jonathan's going to ask you four or five quick questions that demand your quick-witted answer. Let's go. All right. Lowest round and where? My lowest round, let's see, my best round was 66 from the back at Austin Country Club. My lowest round was 64 at Lions Municipal in Austin, Texas. Damn. Yeah. Some playing. Favorite place to play a concert? Red Rocks. I just got to play Red Rocks back-to-back, sold-out nights with Brantley Gilbert, and it was a religious experience. That's I awesome. mean, it's just cut into the mountains there in Denver, and from the first hit of that guitar chord, like it just you feel power. It's just mm. echoing through the canyon. Oh, my God. Absolute magic. I got chills. On-course drink, because we're going to need those yeah, later today. Casamigos Reposado with tequila and lime. Double. Biggest accomplishment to date? My biggest accomplishment to date... Man, first and foremost, just being a dad. It's what I love more than anything in this world. Outside of that, I'd say probably playing the Grand Ole Opry. 
or um, you know, writing a couple top forty songs for some country artists that I grew up idolizing. It's not a big deal. Yeah. That's badass right? there too. Well, boys, I don't know about you. I'm a little excited to get over to Oakmont Country Club. Yeah, let's uh, play a little bit. I got a case of the hooks. You, you guys take a look. You're at good there. As long as it's a hard hook, you're in the next fairway. Oh, it's, hard. <laughs> it's good. hard. We're good. It's got its blinker on, I'll tell you that. All right. Yeah, we'll check it out and, and see what we can do. Thanks uh, thanks for coming on, George. It's been awesome getting to know you a little bit, and I'm excited to play golf with you. Guys, what a day. Thank you all for having me. Beer, beer, chug, chug. I mean, Girls damn. In you know what? That that the whole story behind that is awesome, mm. and uh, you know he didn't have to give her writer on on that song, and he did. So good, good on him. Yeah, he's the best man. He's awesome. Good kid had a blast with him. Had he, an absolute blast with him. I mean, we partied with him. We listened to him jam a little bit. We played two days at Oakmont with him. We went to batting practice with the fam. I mean, bud. Shout out Neil Walker. He was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said shout out Neil Walker. Yeah, thank you, Neil, for setting that up. And I can't wait to have him back to Nemecolon mm-hmm. in August, August 14th to 16th. Make sure you guys make your reservation. I know the rooms are tight right now, boys. A lot of people have been reserving rooms, and uh, it's going to be a party. No, it's going to be a great time, man. we got a great lineup. Thanks, Nemecolon. For all y'all out there who haven't been to Nemecolon, be sure to check it out online at nemecolon.com. And uh, we're stoked to have that, uh, you know, party up there on the peak and see our buddy George again and some other friends and keep it rocking right now on Chasing Birdies, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and we got some new gear up, new hats, new uh, polo, new quarter zip over at chasingbirdies.com. So make sure you're going on over there, get yourself some new stuff. We got a lot of different hats, a lot of new hats. This was all Pep. This was all you, bud. I mean, we got 45 different varieties of hats. And you know what? I love all of them. I love them all. I wear them all. So thank you. Thank you, bud. No problem. So uh, our next drop will be coming from Ireland. Yes, sir. And um, you all have to stay tuned for that one. We won't release too many details at this point. But uh, it'll be our next drop here on Chasing Birdies. And... uh, kind of cool right now they got the scottish open kicking off today all the we boys s- are having a blast over there yeah i was gonna say we saw the the, bo- the pics of jordan ricky and jt over there drinking some guinness and uh i can already taste it but i think i'm gonna have myself a couple i can't wait the boys are excited we got 12 of us going over there um but we'll be dropping an episode from there not gonna tell you who in the meantime go to chasingbirdies.com check out all the new gear Chase and underscore birdies, like us, tell your friends, tell your family. We appreciate all the support. And uh, apparently our social media gals are working on a little TikTok page for the boys over here at Chase and Birdies. So I have no idea how to work that, but uh, stay tuned for that. Um, hope you all have a great, fabulous weekend. Get out, play some golf, enjoy the Scottish Open if you can catch it somewhere. I don't know. Um, thank you to Simpler Media and Evo for putting this thing together. Rachel and Jacqueline for all your social media help. Y'all have a good one.